one of the other things that they're also doing is that like even this latest algorithm update they're pulling in like more uh, user-generated content from like quora and reddit it's my tip for 2024 it's like i'm having companies optimize their brand on those two platforms uh get active on those platforms because if, if you want to get like have the authenticity of someone finding you for a question answered and seeing your brand on that website which then gets pulled into google that's going to convert yeah i mean to underscore that you know something is happening when haters emerge and if you go to any seo group you will see a ton of frustration that reddit and quora answers are ranking above the pages they used to have ranked that was paul andre devera and greg heilers two seo specialists who joined me to talk about what's changing from new interactive components on google searches to ai created content there's a lot happening in the world of seo I'm your host, EJ Brown, and you're listening to Content Marketing is Dead. Dre, Greg, thank you for joining me. I'm excited to talk to you about SEO because I feel like this is a really integral time for SEO. Like a lot is changing technologically. Excited to hear your thoughts about this, but why don't you introduce yourself first? You know, your 32nd conference pitch and like if you have a marketing superpower what is it so dre we'll start with you hey what's up everyone my name is paul andre devera aka dre and i'm the host of the seo video show and i have 20 years of marketing experience and worked at b2b SaaS companies like sap workday anaplan and some startup companies as well and i've actually consulted for other companies like dropbox and other cool companies where it's really really fun and all we do is just market to other businesses that is a tough act to follow. Uh, my name is <laughs> Greg Heilers. Uh, I go by Greg. Uh, I co-founded Jolly SEO. We're at jollyseo.com. My marketing superpower is uh, I got my start as a ghostwriter. And so that's one of the core things we still do is ghostwrite as CEOs. It's a fun skill. It's kind of like a hybrid between, I always like to say it's like 80% content, 20% copy. You got to know a little bit of persuasion, but mostly know your facts, do your research. Yeah. So for both of you, like, did you fall into SEO? I mean, Greg, we'll start with you. You started out ghostwriting. I'm guessing that SEO just became more and more important part of the practice. Is that right? Yeah. I think, I think people starting now have a much better understanding of what they're writing for. Uh, maybe I was just particularly ignorant but even before ghostwriting, I did a lot of like content mill gigs and mm. I just thought people loved my writing uh, and I didn't realize that my writing served, I won't call it a greater purpose, but it uh, served a different purpose than I understood. And it turns out the reason they requested certain words or needed certain links to be within the copy, uh, it was all for reasons that I would later learn are SEO. So I definitely fell into SEO and um, what's been fun is to come full circle and have it be like actually really high-end writing that can be done towards SEO purposes. It, it, I no longer, I like to think, run a company producing content mill level stuff. Uh, but yeah, definitely, I did not know I would end up in SEO. Jerry, what about you? 
Same here. I mean, I didn't grow up wanting to be an SEO. I mean, it was something that just came about when I was in college. I've actually started creating websites since 1997, and it was just a natural progression. I've, I've, I was creating websites in high school and then graduating college in web authoring and multimedia. And then when you join a company, it's like, hey, how can you promote our website? Or how, you know, the, like, oh, have the web guy do it. Or have IT do it. You know, like the guys that are making the website were the ones that were turned to when it came to SEO and how to market their website. So that's how it kind of progressed onto me. Like I've been doing this for you know, over 20 years now from the technical portion to even the on-page stuff. I mean, this is something where I feel now that SEO has grown so much now that people, if you're just starting out, it's like, it's, it's going to be a big task just to even learn one thing in SEO. But you, if you've been as long as 20 years, you'll, you'll, you'll have some experience of knowing pretty much everything. Yeah. I, I've been doing some form of content marketing for 10 years and obviously like SEO has become a bigger and bigger part of it, a necessary part of it. But I feel like there's a learning curve and there's a plateau in it where it's really hard to go from intermediate to advanced Mm -hmm. in the SEO field. Like, I know what I don't know. I don't know how to figure out (laughs) how to even get the answers. I think there's probably a lot of us in content marketing that feel that way. You're either like a generalist that can dabble in SEO or you're an SEO specialist. There's a drastic difference in between, it feels like. Yeah, there's pretty much three pillars when it comes to SEO, right? And you do have, you are one pillar of it. Content is one pillar. So like you are totally. a third of that. That's what, which is why you know, you can know and you can't, you know, you have to have that technical portion and then you have to have that outreach, right? So those are kind of the things that you have to, you work with your social team or your PR team to get those backlinks and then you can handle content Then you have to work with your dev team to kind of implement the schema, all that. Yeah, I, I can sympathize, you know, we, Coming from being a writer, we were called Jolly Content before. We were a content agency. And I always say that we never got past being like a mid-tier content agency because we didn't bring the strategy. We didn't know how to. uh, And on top of that, to your point, Drake, we didn't even do the back end of promotion. So all we did was execute against someone else's strategy and then hand off a written piece. And so our clients would be like, yeah, it's a good article, but I don't know what to do with this because nobody was promoting it for them. Maybe they themselves are uploading it or maybe the person uploading it didn't have a strategy for what to do with it from there. So yeah, it, it is challenging. I mean, you've got 20 plus years in the game, right, Dre? So like you you said you know all these things, but if you're newer, I, I completely sympathize if you're like, I know my part, but I don't have any concept of how to coordinate the other two core elements. Yeah. So we know where we're heading. We want to talk about what's changing in SEO, but, but while we're here, like, I think I told you both that, um, my guess is at some point I need to pull people, but my guess is that the majority of the people listening to this podcast are, um, content marketers of, of some form or another. And there's always this question of if you're doing content marketing as, a freelancer or a, a content strategist, what can you do on your own in terms of SEO strategy? And like, where do you need to like find help? I think that SEO firms out there, they're like the content mills, right? Like there's some people that like know what they're doing. And then there's a lot of like fakes out there. Like, how do you start to differentiate like consultants or agencies that that are worth the investment? And how do you both like working with content writers and content strategists? 
I like that you asked both sides of it. I would say this. I mean, if you're looking to vet someone to work with, go with case studies. That's that's where I would start. It's like a writer's portfolio, right? You want to see either published stuff or getting to the second half of your question. I always like to ask to see the raw stuff, if possible, the unedited uh, works by a writer. But the case studies, polished as they may be, especially if you've got the client name on there and you can do some fact-checking yourself, better yet, reference if they're willing to give you a reference or two. Sometimes this stuff is hard to get access to, especially in certain areas like there is a sector of SEO uh, called affiliate sites, right, or informational sites. These people love keeping their secrets. They don't like to share their websites. They, They don't like when service providers share details about their sites. So it, it can get tough. But if you're working with in like the B2B space or bigger B2C, more established like D2C companies, most of the time they, they will, will agree to case studies. Uh, and I would put those together if you're looking to get clients. And I would, if you are a client looking to hire a service provider, I, I would go with someone who has a documented track record because it's a dangerous, it's like anything, right? Like even if you just looked at marketing as just brand work, you can damage your brand with really bad marketing campaigns and same for SEO. And then I probably took too much mic time, but just on the, how do you vet a writer? Uh, like I said, I love to look at the raw content and if not portfolio, I'm a huge fan of paid trials but that said, I'm also a huge fan of the application form having a question or two that requires a paragraph or two mm. uh, of creativity. And I always respect when writers are like, I'm not giving someone my time for free. And I'm like, I, I need to work with someone who wants the gig enough to spend 15 minutes on the applications. Sure. That's my thoughts. Real fast about the case studies. I I really like that answer, like case studies over testimonials, but then looking at case studies, how technical do they actually get? Because like, if you're not seeing the technical aspects of it, then you don't know what they're actually doing. Well, I mean, I would love to double down on on case studies. And when you mentioned technical, it's a great way to see their strategy because all my case studies I've actually put like kind of almost laying out what exactly what I did step by step and showing you what you can do I may not give you my resources where I put the backlinks on or but I'll say hey I got backlinks I sent press releases I worked with this team I worked with that team to get this technical and schema implemented like this code implemented so like really really breaking down a strategy through case studies is a great way to kind of see how an SEO agency or an SEO consultant works but when hiring an SEO agency it's pretty easy just google them right I mean if they if they if they don't show up for their own name or anything like that, or even ask them for some terms that they even rank for, yeah. If they, if, if they worked, yeah. If they work with, um, like, say, um, an HR company or HR software company, like, and they say, oh yeah, you know, I was able to get a workday rank for a human capital management software. I mean, you Google it, and it's like, oh yeah, there they are. So that you can really, really fact check them by just googling them because Google is our leaderboard. Google is our our, our facts of, as an SEO. So that's one of the ways you can really, really kind of um, do that. But one thing I feel that you should really do. Once you meet someone or meet an SEO agency is the education of it. Because someone may say like, oh, yeah, I can get you some rankings. But overall, it's really about generating more revenue. Um, if someone say they can get you more rankings, OK, that's great. And they'll say they'll do it just because you, they told you to. 
But I mean, because you told them to, but at the same time, they may be the wrong keywords to go for. And they just may be doing it just to make you happy, but not necessarily the business uh, money. So being able to have that honest person to kind of say, hey, I'm here to help you generate more revenue and let you know, like, you know, not all keywords is all about high volume, high search volume. It's about the intent. And that's one of the things that you really want to kind of interview that person, that agency and consultants. I'm I'm watching my puppy. (laughs) (laughs) This ball is stuck in a box. So if you hear background noise, that's what it is. Um, I feel like that brought up to me one of the things that I've seen is the damage that SEO companies has done to companies that I've worked with as a writer or a content strategist is we'll see all of this high traffic coming in, but we'll see high traffic coming in for keywords that have nothing to do with our business and that aren't attracting the ICP. And we just sort of have to start over to make sure that we're not just like losing all of the trap, all of the traffic, which also looks bad, but like trying to migrate the traffic to something that actually like works for our business and our brand. And Mm -hmm. those are definitely the types of things to watch out for. Like how much does an SEO company or consultant or whatever talk about like your ICP and like how to actually create a brand presence. Okay, hold on one second. Uh, we've got a we've got a tennis ball. It's five p.m. my time here, and like she's like, it is done. One second. Hey, John. Love it. I my, my two dogs are asleep. <laughs> They've been. I take I took them for a mature. No, <laughs> they're they're not getting up. Yeah, she's usually pretty good, but oh, those squeaky those squeaky tennis balls. Okay. Um, so there's a lot going on in SEO right now. And I'd, I'd ask you both to be thinking about just like what's changing, what, what should marketing specialists and content strategists be aware of in the world of SEO? Greg, I'll let you start. Like what's on your mind right now? Yeah, I'm just a couple months ago, I was at MozCon with uh, my co-founder and buddy Morgan and we were just attendees, right? We weren't speaking, but I was surprised how much value I got out of that conference. Mm. We can get into it. Uh, I know we had talked about maybe later we'll we'll talk about ChatGPT and all the rage. Uh, it was amazing. Like AI took up at least a third of the talks there. Yeah. But the two talks that really spoke to me, one was about branded search. And for people who don't know me, like the service that kind of made me have a little bit of success like success for me right not we're not huge was around a product that does branded anchor text to homepage so it's really boosting brand but the reason i say this was educational was because they were expanding branded search to be brand name plus your like your core product mm-hmm. and that was mm-hmm. branded search and i never thought about it like that i was always selling us as like hey we really help you lean into eat right uh you know we boost your authority we we increase trust and we demonstrate all your expertise and now experience, but I really didn't think about branded search, including product names at all. And so mm-hmm. that's been something for us to chew on. Like how, how can we help people do that? Um, I think as marketers, you know, that's a lot of the content you write, right. Is it are, are around campaigns supporting some of these core products. So I think you're in a great position to drive SEO success if it is true that branded search is becoming increasingly relevant, 
and that can include the products as well. Let's stay there for a minute. I just did a content audit for a company that I looked up not their product name, but the type of product that they that they sell and they were not listed, right? But not only were they not listed, like Google does wonderful things in terms of like, you know, aggregating all of this different data, right? And like, so one thing that it was aggregating was like the list of logos from companies who had the highest ranking products. And it was made from, of course, all these different lists who are listing like best of in the certain product category. And then like there's G2 Crowd who has, um, what's it called? Like the axis. It's not an axis. Quadrants. The, yeah, the matrix. And like they weren't listed on the matrix. And I'm curious, like, I mean, for me, this was a little bit outside of like what you could just do doing SEO. And I'm curious, what do you think of as SEO? And what do you think of as like publicist type of work or other types of marketing? Because I was imagining like that they really need, like they need somebody asking if they can be added to the list. They need people working with like sites like G2 Crowd. And do you include all that as SEO? Yeah, for me, at least when it comes to um, SEO for enterprise companies, especially when you mentioned G2 Crowd, because they rank for certain keywords and Google understands that these are like kind of comparison sites. So these are type of certain type of keywords. So you have to actually factor that into your SEO strategy. So you kind of like um, develop a profile on there to like, let's say, you know, whether it's like you pay for the like higher rankings or whatever it is to get your reviews on there. You build your authority on there by and, and have that you know, show up with your name when it comes up on for that particular search. When it comes to like really branded searches, which is why I kind of mentioned earlier, like when I work uh, for outreach and the links, it's a PR, uh, PR company, so my PR team, uh, my PR team and my, and, you know, and even my copy team, because they are also writing copy on uh, that's outside facing, not necessarily, I mean, of course, a content marketing team, but you definitely want to work with our PR team because they will get you the brand mentions. They will go out to get you picked up on the high authority websites like on Forbes, on, on Wall Street Journal, and, and just really getting those your, your, um, your brand out there. Because when it comes to SEO, when it comes to brand search, I, I want to um, add on to that. So where it's like, if you attach a product or a generic term, it becomes a branded too, because let's say you're searching human capital management, and then you press space bar, and then Google will show a brand name. At work day. So like you already become on, on top of mind of people. So like if you can attach your name to a generic keyword, you just develop that brand authority, like an authority within that space. You know, if you search like, you know, again, financial management, and then you press space and it says SAP. So it's like, oh, okay. So maybe like SAP is like a, a great company. So if you work on your brand SEO, your brand SEO, you will start showing up for stuff like that, like, you know, autocompletes and related searches. People also ask. So that kind of one of those things where, you know, like how the Google landscape itself, search landscape is changing. It's becoming really, really multimedia of different types of snippets and, and functions. It's like you have a knowledge graph here, you have a Google profile here, you have videos here. You know, so it's kind of really, really coming more of, um, more than just 10 listings. Totally. Greg? Yeah. That's something that's come out of our Facebook group and a couple others that are, you know, not just chatter, but like it seems like some valuable exchanges where people, I've, I've seen them say time and time again, if I see an increase in branded search, I'll know I'm doing SEO right mm -hmm. these days. And that, that's really interesting because I think at least to the little I know, five plus years ago, I, I don't feel that was the goal. I, I think we were looking for specific keywords 
almost the inverse. Like if, if you saw an increase in branded search, they'd be like, what is wrong here? Like, why aren't we getting more traffic to our money pages directly? So hmm. that's a really interesting movement. Yeah, there's something, uh, Google's been focusing more on something called EEAT, ex, uh, experience, expertise, authoritative, and trust. And this is really, really tying into a real person, and especially on the topic of AI. It's like, they want someone to be behind it. They want to have the experience. They want to have the voice behind it. They want to have an actual person behind the companies. So they even tell um, like companies like Workday, don't put staff writer, put a real writer behind the biography because that's giving it more authority and real person that's writing it. Because if you put staff writer, it's like, you know, is that real expert in that space? I mean, can someone Google that? Someone search Workday staff writer, nothing really shows up. But if you search someone that's actually name behind it and see all the articles they wrote on financial topics or HR topics, you know, that's an, a trustworthy piece. So that's really something that Google's really kind of focusing on. I'm really focusing on that EEAT experience, expertise, authoritative, and trust. Greg, I'm curious. You said that there were two sessions that stood out to you, right? One was a branded search. Was there another one? Oh, well, this this one was really cool to me. Um, I believe her name was Jackie Chu. And I forget she had worked at Uber and some other places. Yeah, it's Jackie Chu, yeah. Um, and thank you. <laughs> I didn't want to screw that up. And she did a session on how SEOs can secure buy-in when they're working at enterprise companies. This is for in-house SEOs. She said it much more elegantly than I'm about to repurpose here, but she was saying how her advice is to find your allies within the organization. And she said, they're not always people that you think of. So Two examples. One, I would never have thought of because I'm not technical, but she's like, for instance, the legal team can be your ally because if you are not compliant with disability-related access laws, then you are not going to rank better. And on top of it, there are several examples of large companies being sued for not having their websites be compliant. So she said, you can go to your legal team and say, we do not want to be that next company involved in a lawsuit and work it that way so that it will happen very fast that you get clearance to do the work that you want to do to rank better. And I thought that was killer. And, and the other one was, she said, you, you don't always think of the devs as, as on your side because a lot of times they don't want you to screw up what is a functional uh, web page. But again, not her exact words, me, me trying to remember it accurately is like if you take the mindset of trying to help them and point out bugs then that's a way that you can one just build a genuine relationship but also kind of cleverly backdoor in some of your initiatives where you're like and as part of fixing that we should do this uh, which will help so that was more for the in-house enterprise seos but she was also trying to help people like me who are more outside hopeful vendors mm -hmm try to identify people who you genuinely could offer value, but you wouldn't necessarily traditionally like me. I'm like, I got to talk to the CMO. I got to talk to the CEO, but maybe not always. Fun. All right, Dre. Yes. What are you excited about this changing in SEO right now? Well, SEO is changing really like by a lot. Uh, people like to think uh, SEO is search engine optimization. I feel like it's becoming more like a search experience optimization because the experience on search is changing big time. Like I mentioned earlier, there's videos, there's going to be, there's maps, there's, there's carousels of like news stories, there's TikTok carousels, Twitter carousels, the, all these different types of things that you have to optimize for. So it's like, 
you're not necessarily optimizing for those 10 links anymore. You're actually optimizing for the search experience on Google. And that's what I feel like SEO is becoming, which is actually making me more exciting because it's like, we will have a job for a very long time while, while they keep while they keep adding new things to uh, Google. It's 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 something that will always be there because I was actually working with my cousin and I was helping her with her um, her e-commerce SEO. I was actually asking for her for access to her Google Search Console, Google Ads, her Google uh, Business, and her Google Analytics, and like all, all these different Google properties. I was like, oh my god, how many things are the Google properties do you manage? I was like. Well, that's why I have a job and will yeah. always be there because Google does take an SEO to actually kind of understand like all the different properties and all the different software that Google uses. So you can optimize that. Because like, for me, when it becomes SEO, I think holistically as search marketing and not just like pay, like, not just by organic because a great search marketing um, will have a balance between paid search and organic search. So making sure that, you know, like that they play together and there's a strategy where like, you know, you can go after like top of the funnel stuff with maybe organic and bottom of the funnel stuff towards paid search. But you're making sure there's a synergy there and making sure that the two teams are work, working together is like kind of the best tip I can do for anyone that's actually consulting for a, um, a B2B company. Totally. And I think, I mean, when you talk about paid and organic, what that means is changing because it's changing from a more generic search to an experience search. Like, how do you start working on for in terms of e-commerce? Like, I, th- I I told you that I'm really interested in like where visual visual search is going, as well as you know, like audio search and stuff. And you know, like you're optimizing ads for that. You're optimizing organic content. You're optimizing product listings. You're creating new assets to have your product out there in different ways. You're optimizing for affiliates and what those. I feel like those categories of organic and paid get a little squiggly mm-hmm. that's on, that's on purpose <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's true that's Google on purpose so they, they want to blend in right <laughs> yeah holy Greg how are you expanding like I mean do you see yourself expanding offerings as as these different ways of search become more relevant to different business types yeah um at this point in time we're still very niche so it's definitely something top of mind for us it's like niching down was very helpful for us as an early business model um, because we could prove ourselves on one thing, become known for one thing. But it's definitely a question for us. And whether it's true or not, there are perceptions that the value, like we talked earlier at the start, Dre, you mentioned the three pillars, right? Some people think the value of different pillars are going to be worth more or less uh, in the coming years. We're not really changing right now, but it's definitely something I'm thinking about. But I, I'm still of the mindset that while the UI, I, as I would say, like the, the, the interface may look different with generative search, I, I don't necessarily know that there are really core changes to the algorithm coming uh, in the near future. So that, that's where like, I, I'm not too concerned if we were to pivot at all, it would be leaning more into what we already do, which is branded search. So PR without an emphasis on backlinks, you know, and and it would just be leaning more and more into that because we don't really see any signs that we're moving away from brand being important. Um, You know, you mentioned Dre, the staff writer versus the the authenticity um, that, we were going to get into AI, but that's like my my biggest concern about the rise of AI content is 
it's all too easy to generate cheap content and I'm not, I'm not knocking it. I'm, I'm in favor of optimizing. We're also trying to figure out what does that mean for us? But I don't know if those sites are going to be successful long term if they don't have a real human behind them at least. So I think that's probably my best answer is like, for better or worse, we're not. We're kind of leaning into what we do. That's because I'm confident that we're going to keep seeing Google want to display genuine authorities, not people who claim to be or maybe don't even have a name behind their content. So really fast before we jump, before we fully open the AI door. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, I, it, it's a good call out. Um, we talk about the algorithm and we talk about all these different types of assets that are being brought into the search. Like, you know, you see more video searches being brought in, you see more snippets and stuff. Dre, I wanted to get your opinion of that. Like, do you see Google like changing the types of content that is relevant in searches? Like, are you working with businesses differently to recommend different? When I say content, I mean anything, yeah, you know, yeah. any sort of asset. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, you're hitting the nail on the coffin here because, I mean, this is where I've totally been moving towards more multimedia because Google is changing the landscape. There's a lot of more things going on. Video is number one on the priority when I've worked with companies where we'll create video content, which then gets repurposed. Like, you know, we, we get, we'll, create, um, we'll create a blog out of it. We'll create, you know, more of these snackable pieces of content, which will then can get brought onto YouTube and on Twitter or on uh, TikTok because these also get pulled in on Google now. So these are one of some of the things where I feel is very, very important, especially with this whole new generative experience. It's like, it's, they're pulling in videos. So that's one of the main things that they're doing. And so that's something I've been always pushing. But one of the other things that they're also doing is called perspectives. It's, again, it's going back to the EAT that like even this latest algorithm update, they're pulling in like more uh, user-generated content from like Quora and Reddit. So those are two big uh, sites that I feel now that I, um, in 2024, it's my tip for 2024. It's like I'm having companies optimize their brand on those two platforms. Uh, get active on those platforms because if, if you want to get like have the authenticity of someone finding you, for a question answered and seeing your brand on that website, which then gets pulled into Google, that's going to convert. That's going to be the highest converting, converting traffic because they're going to trust you so much already because they have Google pulling it in and then you have the authority uh, on each of those platforms. So um, those are the three main things that for 2024 uh, that would have people start optimizing for us. Videos, Reddit, and Quora. Yeah, I mean, to underscore that, you know something is happening when haters emerge. And if you go to any SEO group, you will see a ton of frustration that Reddit and Quora answers are ranking above the pages they used to have ranked. So I think that's an awesome tip. I love it. Okay, let's open the door. So um, <laughs> I've lost jobs as, as a writer and as a contest writer, just both uh, to chat GPT. And um, I know there's a lot of companies, especially startups that are starting to think, wonder, like, can we build our entire content strategy around AI generated content? Does it work for landing pages? So what are your thoughts about like, how, how is AI going to change SEO? So this is where I feel like the way I use AI right now, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, I have actually hired less writers because of Chat GPT 
And it's one of those things where it's like, again, you I use it more for creating really dense outlines and having like really, you know, first drafts. And then I have to have that brand voice into it. Like, again, we were talking about brands. I have to have that brand tone, the brand voice uh, incorporated into these, these, these articles. Because if you notice, when you generate, to generate any article, you'll see ChatGPT use the same adjectives, the same words, or even if you use Grammarly to correct it, they're going to say, you know, stop, use crucial instead of important or whatever, whatever it is. You see the terms that, that when AI generates. And so this is, it becomes very, very robotic and you can start telling. So being able to have that really go in and actually we, you know, kind of add that brand tone voice. And that's where I feel like um, I still have to work with a writer at companies and the second part of the time I use AI is when we have a content refreshes, because this is a lot easier now, because like when, when you create a content optimization briefs from these, there's tons of tools out there now with these, these SEO optimization, um, optimization briefs, and we'll say like, you have to insert this five times, this six times, whatever that is. Um, it's, it's a lot easier now to kind of pretty much refresh older content by just, hey, here, here's the original article. Please incorporate these keywords this many times, and you know, like natural, naturally, and then you'll get an uh, SEO optimized output. So, I mean, that's kind of like kind of my workflow now between the two of using AI two different times uh, when I work with uh, content writers and SEO. Greg, what about you? Yeah, that's fascinating. We um, while we do have a team that produces long form for offsite work, we haven't applied it there. Where we have is. We have a team that does journalist outreach pitching. And so that team to date has been fully manual. Uh, it's been like a bannable offense. You know, we we really poo-pooed it. But there's an old book uh, by Clay Christensen, I believe. I hope I'm citing the right author, called The Innovator's Dilemma. And when I read that, it really summed up what we did to ourselves here. Over the past few years, we moved up market left a lot of clients behind because of the cost of labor and just to survive as a business. And just this month, we're in October, I don't know when this will be published, we started some pilot campaigns where it'll be tricky for us is assuming these are successful and we go to market in 2024 is how to differentiate the fully human crafted versus the LLM generated content. But the initial people we're selling with they're former clients, and they are so excited that we can re-engage with them at a price point that we used to be able to afford five years ago when we didn't have tens of thousands of dollars a month in fixed expenses management, let alone the writer costs, which are each writer is 5000 plus a month. And it really is like a, I, di- I didn't get into business to make a ton of money. I just got into it to provide for myself. And I really do care about all these people that we've grown over the years to develop this network of like at our peak, like 70, now only about 40, but that number is probably going to go down if that product that is LM generated can reach so many more people who want to work with a company like mine, but we just can't afford to serve them fully handcrafted. It's like, it's exciting and it's sad at the same time is, is how I feel about the situation because I'm sympathetic. But let's go back to what Dre said. Like, there are so many opportunities. It's a classic, like, Luddite kind of thing, right? Like, you, you can knock it and you can be against it or you can be like, well, maybe I do need to upskill and learn some different things. And 
I'm not saying that to be totally unsympathetic, right? Like I was a writer, I get it. it. It's not a great feeling to be told, like maybe I need to do something else. But that's where I sit as in this current position as the business owner, where like the dollars and cents tell me what I have to do. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say that you shouldn't be um, doing anything else, but because a lot of people say like, oh yeah, AI is going to take our job. It's actually the person that knows AI is going to take your job, right? Like being able mm-hmm. to utilize a tool in front of you, make it's a new a new tool for you, become a better writer, become more productive. You know, if something took you, maybe you shortcut someone else that you takes you about two weeks to do. It's like, oh yeah, you know, I can turn around in a week now, right? So this is something you kind of sell those, those points where it helps you in, in productivity. You know, on the topic of AI and creating content, like, Away and stepping aside from like actual writing, it's like you can create actual content like from from other pieces of content like and that's still authentic. I'll put this for example. I just last week I launched a new podcast called the SEO Knowledge Bomb Podcast, and it's made totally with AI, totally with AI. What it does is it goes to my SEO video show, downloads the transcript, and I tell the AI to like pull away the takeaways, pull all the takeaways create actionable takeaways then i upload it to 11 labs with a clone of my voice like a total as a clone of my voice and i just copy and paste it there so like i, I have a show and i have a podcast i like to differentiate the two a lot of people like taking the audio version of their say youtube show interview show and then create a podcast out of it mine's totally different and it's actually actually more snackable because my my interviews last about an hour where i can have a five minute breakdown of all the takeaways of a clone vo- voice all created with AI and it's just provides so much value and it's authentic. It's my stuff. It was helped created by AI, but it wasn't AI generated. Right. So it was like, yeah, yeah. AI can help you create content and not necessarily just like just generate all kinds of like robotic stuff. It's super smart. I mean, you look at back to the context of like content marketing is dead. Your audience, probably a lot of content marketers. It's exactly how Dre said it. You know, I'm, I run a business and it's like, why are we doing this new product? Because someone else is going to, mm-hmm. and they will take that market share. So you as a mark content marketer, why should you use these tools? Because a year or two from now, there won't be content marketers who have great jobs, who aren't using these tools to be more efficient for the people who pay them to work efficiently. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it always it has been and probably always will be. I mean, you got managers, you, you got someone telling you to work a little more efficiently. I compared this to um, the translation industry. Agencies that aren't using machine translation don't make it, right? And it doesn't mean that there's no longer translators, but they're editing after the fact most of the time. Although there are types of content that you can't translate or you can't use machine translation still, you know, and maybe that will change as AI gets a little more nuanced about social issues and things like that. But I think my biggest concern is just that it allows us to create more faster and we can use that for good or evil. (laughs) You know, like if we're just putting more crap out into the world, then it just saturates every market with content that sounds alike and doesn't say anything new. So how do we use the tools to become more efficient to create quality as opposed to just creating more? Yes, when it comes to more, uh, when it comes to, basically this is what I do because you, 
like when when you use AI as uh, as a productivity tool to help you get things, you you buy more time back. So I would say, wouldn't don't change anything with what you're doing. Like keep up, keep writing what you're doing, keep the quality the same, but just you can take on more clients, right? So it's just like you're you're cutting the time to bring in more 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 work or or even more time for yourself. So it's like don't don't change anything about with the quality or the way you're writing, but just you can now excel on the amount of um, not necessarily more pieces of work articles, but just generate more revenue with more clients, right? So that's one of the things that you kind of free up. Yeah. Well, I mean, on that subject, the space I'm most familiar with is connecting experts with the media. That's the thing I know how to do best. And I'm in some masterminds. And in one of these masterminds is a person who likes to remain relatively anonymous. So I won't really cite them. But they seem to have access to most of the newsrooms in this country. They seem to have access to most of the publishing entities. And what they were sharing, I don't know if you all have noticed, but affiliate sites are not for the little guys anymore. Mm -hmm. Time, uh, Wall Street Journal, all of them are running now affiliate sides of their business. And what I think is really interesting is their insights. They're like, Feels like these are these these publications were largely dying already. Uh, traditional media, and it's like it feels like they are just now trashing their brand with these affiliate plays uh, and accelerating their own death. And so the only reason I bring all that up is to say, I don't think you guard against the absolute tidal wave of garbage content that is coming, and in a lot of ways is already here. Just like in almost every industry, right? Like production is cheaper. They're just cheaper products available. But I think as a brand or as someone who is a worker who takes pride in their work, you associate with the consumer base or the employers who look for premium, right? Mm -hmm. That would be my take on that. Uh, And then I hope it's always an aspiration to lean into what Dre mentioned, which is like work a little less. That's my goal. (laughs) Like I just want to work a little less. (laughs) I've been wanting to do that for a long time. Sometimes they do better than others. I hope in a few years from now I'll be doing better than now. Uh, But yeah, it's a, we're not going to stop it, which is Mm -hmm. every time I think about leaving our industry, I'm like, it's really good to know how this works because I'm also a consumer. Mm-hmm. And for sure. I do feel bad for the unsuspecting consumers out there because there's a lot of content coming and already there that it's not, you know how advertising is, it's not always to their benefit. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. So I, I think some of the takeaways, having gone through the store for content marketers, content strategists, SEO strategists is like, you know, I, I think we're all being told you need to figure out how to use the tools for your benefit. But I really like the add-on of like, how do you use the tools to, instead of just creating more content, like increase your revenue, increase the quality of your offerings so that you can move it from the mid-tier to the premium tier. And especially, Greg, things like the affiliate, it's such an interesting place to be where people are moving from wanting content just from their blogs and, you know, just on social to how do they find new audiences and what are new channels that they can move into and how can you do that? How can you use a tool like AI to figure out how to explore these channels in a better way? 
even conducting market research to figure out the tones of voices that work well and things like that. Yeah, I would be a little careful when doing market research with AI because they have that AI hallucinations and sometimes they'll just make things up. Mm-hmm. When I, sometimes when I work with AI and ask for stats, I would say, hey, give me the citation or like, cite, what, what, where'd you find this? And if they can go out and get it, and then I'll, I'll double check it. And sometimes it's like, they totally made that up. I was like, it's not even on there. So being able to fact check certain things, but what AI can do, which is I, what I do, is you can grab data sets of real data sets, you said, and you combine them. And then you ask the AI, what are some trends you see from here to here or compared from here? Then you pull out the snippets. I love that. And then that's when you can um, come up with um, more nuggets uh, for your, your content or your, for your piece that no one else will have. Yeah, and you know, coming uh, as as content people, lest I put my foot in my mouth by like seeming like I'm trash talking affiliates as a model, uh, I actually think there's a lot of value in the affiliate space if done responsibly. I'll say uh, again with like a real human who cares about their brand that they're creating and the people that they connect themselves with. There's some huge personalities that the average consumer may not realize is an affiliate business model or the majority of their revenue, mm. but they only endorse people that they actually believe in their products and their services. AI can help you not only become a data analyst when you never had a chance like me of becoming a data analyst, but being a content creator. Some people, I think we take for granted as content creators, some people didn't have the fortune to receive the kind of education where someone supported them in learning how to write, mm-hmm. how to write in a way that's engaging for people, how to speak in a way that's engaging for people. Maybe they didn't get given the confidence. So it's just having that assistant that you may not have the financial wherewithal to pay a human, but it can help you do a lot of things. Yeah, definitely. I definitely would say my emails have become a lot more professional with AI <laughs> because, <laughs> because I, I mean, just having it like I'll usually I just type whatever's on my mind and I reread it. I can't I can't understand it. But if I throw in AI, hey, this is what I want to say. And it, it comes back with something so perfectly written. <laughs> I need to have it do all of my Slack responses then, so that. <laughs> yeah. Just like uh, check for tone. <laughs> yeah. And they're starting to get built in, too, which is nice, you know, mm. like. Did you mean to say that? No. <laughs> oh, I need that. Yeah. I need that. My team, if they ever hear this, would be like, yeah, let's look for that. <laughs> so how, how, how should people reach out to you if they're interested in continuing the conversation? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Paul Andre and on LinkedIn at in slash Paul Andre. You can watch me every Friday live at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the SEO Video Show at SEO Video Show at YouTube. It's a super cool concept, by the way. I I love that site. It's really neat. But just look for us at at jollyseo.com, you know, J-O-L-L-Y-S-E-O.com. Or you can look for me on LinkedIn. I'm Greg. You can spell my last name, H-E-I-L-E-R-S. Uh, thanks a lot, EJ. I appreciate EJ. it. And it was nice to meet you, Dre. Nice to meet you, Greg. Thanks again. Mm-hmm.